I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Línea lateral la pone para Valverde. Golazo! Especialista del balcón del área. Golazo de Valverde. No les gusta el Madrid a ninguno, pero ya lleva una manita en la Copa de Europa. Hello everyone and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown preview podcast. We're up to match day 13 now. I'm your host Matt Clark and I'm delighted to be joined by Paco Pollitt. Paco, you've just been in Asturias for a few days. Um, exciting things you've been doing there. What a week it's been in La Liga and in Europe. Plenty of major developments. We've got uh, Atleti out of Europe entirely. Uh, another coaching change up in Vigo. And uh, yeah, this week is El Gran Derby. How are you, Paco? Um, very well. As you said, it's been a few busy days with a number of projects coming uh, together. Um, one of them, obviously, that uh, Marcelino Garcia Toral interview that I was able to perform a couple of days ago. And I believe when our listeners are enjoying this chat, uh, it will also be available at least the first half, talking with Valencia's former manager about many things. Obviously, this first half of the of the conversation delves on, on his uh, past uh, clubs, his origins, and also the way he came to Valencia back in 2017, his first season, all the success he was able to amass. And we have left for next week, you know the the all of the uh, the crisis and the fallout in in that summer of 2019. And yes, as as you said, Matt, it's been uh, a very interesting week. Mm, failure for Atletico Madrid. Obviously, not the best uh, scenery for for Barca. Real Madrid being able to you know uh, qualify and and pass with with flying colors to the to the next round, and also uh, that crisis to for Sevilla. Uh, who have been unable to, you know, just turn things around under San Paoli. Uh, many, many things still to to change. Also, Chacho Gaudet being sacked from from Celta. Let's see how this uh, works out for them. And uh, as you said, uh, interesting match matches happening this this weekend and taking place in this penultimate uh, match day before that World Cup break. Yeah, it's just around the corner now, listener. It's very, very soon. 
and any injuries now could be absolutely catastrophic for any player. Well, where do you want to start then? Let's start with Atleti. They lost in Porto. It was 2-0. It could have been more. They never really got going. The only time they looked like they had a sniff was at the very end when they had an own goal scored for them. But even then, time was clearly up. Um, yeah, lots to talk about. Diego Simeone, um, what, you know, his future, João Felix. He started this game but couldn't really make any impact. They've only got the La Liga and the Copa to focus on now, haven't they? So it will be a, a, a light calendar in the new year, Paco. But I don't know. They've got Espanyol this weekend. What what can we expect? What's your take on, on the situation there? I would say that it's uh, possibly the the direst spot in the last 11 years for uh, Diego Pablo Simeone. And uh, possibly the reason is that the team is suffering a severe case of burnout, um, you know, not being able to ultimately trust uh, its manager's instincts. And, and, you know, actually, Cholismo seems to be in an all-time low, uh, at least if you speak to many Atletico Madrid fans. In my case, I always believe that uh, Simeone always has, you know, the 11th trick upon his sleeve and he will be able to turn things around. But, you know, I had never seen for quite a while uh, Atleti's fan base to be so uh, pessimistic about the the chances of their of their team. Good news for them is that ultimately they are going to be able to focus, as you said, in in the two competitions which are remaining, and they have that first shot this this following weekend against Espanyol, who aren't exactly the most uh, you know uh, reliable team away from home. Uh, the Periquitos have been struggling so far and you also you only have to check out the, the standings. Uh, only one win in the last four, uh, 11 points under the belt, only one above relegation, so they are in desperate need of, of some points, whereas for Atletico Madrid, uh, they also need to win, even though they are third. They lost last weekend and and they need to play catch-up to, to Barca, who are already eight points away, and Real Madrid, who are... Nine, so it's a good test to see if Simeone still retains that, uh, you know, uh, bit of magic that he used to have. And yeah, as you said, uh, the conflict with Joao Felix has been, um, you know, boiling uh, under the surface for quite a while already. Griezmann was very hard upon himself and upon him, the team after getting knocked out of European competition. So overall, a uh, pretty spicy game in Wanda Metropolitano this following weekend. Yeah, let's see if they can bounce back. Um, the cat with 11 lives, as you say, Paco. Uh, Diego Simeone. Well, then, let's talk about the game of the weekend. Sunday night, Partidazo. It is Real Betis against Sevilla. The uh, 103rd derby in the top flight. Betis are in the top floor. Top four. They're full of confidence. Sevilla, completely opposite. They're in the relegation zone, drifting in a sea of doubts. Manchester City rotated their side, but they still came from behind to beat them 3-1. Um, they've already lost as many games this season as they did in the whole of last season. And there are 13 points currently between the two sides after just 12 match days, which is the biggest deficit ahead of a derby since 1996-97. Betis are surely overwhelming favourites, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. If you check out the, the way they have been performing so far, uh, possibly it's the game with the most um, you know, difference, at least point-wise, in the last few years, with Betis uh, fourth uh, in the standings with 23 points, whereas Sevilla are you know, o- over half of that 
uh, points amassed, only 10, and in relegation spots, which is absolutely uh, mind-blowing for any Sevilla fan. So, yeah, the, the difference is quite big, at least in the standings, but if you actually see the squads, uh, the lineups are not really that different. But it's true that Betis have been flying so far this season under Pellegrini, whereas for Sevilla, uh, you know, their their plunge has, has been already... Uh, quite commented upon. Uh, Lopetegui was sacked. In came Sampaoli. He was going to bring in a different kind of attitude, a much more, you know, uh, combative fighting uh, style. And so far we haven't seen that both in Europe and in La Liga. So yeah, the, the difference is, is quite big. The atmosphere in the Grand Derby is going to be amazing as it's the case in every single game these two teams play against each other. Yes, a couple of green shoots potentially for Sevilla to cling on to. I mean, Lopetegui never lost the league at Derby, did he? But uh, the last Betis win in the league actually came under Kike Setien four years ago. Yeah. And in the league, uh, they've, they've drawn one and lost six since then, Betis. So a little bit of optimism perhaps for Sevilla fans that they always seem to potentially raise their game for the big one. But as you say, yeah, it's very hard to see past the Betis win here, which will keep their momentum going in this top four race. Um, which is looking very spicy indeed. And speaking of which, we have to start off the weekend on Friday, Girona against Athletic mm. Club. Uh, in, interesting, attractive game here at Montelivi. Girona winless in seven, but they did impress at the Bernabeu. Uh, they've scored in 10 out of the 12 games so far, but they haven't kept a single clean sheet, which is perhaps why they are struggling at the bottom. And Athletic, you look at their fixtures before the World Cup break, Valverde will be targeting probably six points out of six, won't he? Yeah, definitely. Because in Athletic's uh, case, I think they are going to do, try to take advantage of the of the scheduling and also of the current streak of, uh, you know, I, I was about to say good results, but actually they 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 were in a bit of a bump in the road for the for the last few uh, games. They were able to uh, win last uh, weekend in that game against the Villarreal, which was a very close one, even though they they played pretty well against uh, Kike Setien's uh, Villarreal. And as for Girona, uh, as long as they are unable to keep uh, clean sheets in a regular basis, I think they are doomed to suffering quite a lot this season. Uh, and, and I think it's a pity because I they have been doing um, things quite well so far this season. And I think that, you know, the, the, the showcase that they uh, had the other day against Real Madrid is the perfect example of that. But it's just not... Enough, and I think that uh, you know, depending on Estuani scoring goals at this at this point in the road, um, it should be some kind of last resort for them, and that's why I believe that you know um, they should try to take advantage of playing Montilivi, uh, even though Athletic Club have shown uh, quite a lot of strength this season on on the road, so. I think it's a good appetizer for, for the weekend and it's going to be very interesting because the play styles of, of these teams are quite similar in, in some to some extent because both managers are, uh, you know, lovers of that kind of uh, quick, uh, you know, uh, pacey play style and they are going to try to impose themselves upon the, the opposition. Mm. Yeah, very attractive looking game, as we said. And let's see if Girona can potentially cause a bit of an upset and, and get three points on the board. They haven't won since early September, so much needed for Michel, despite obviously having a lot of fans um, of his style. On to Saturday, then. We've got a couple of interesting games down the bottom. We've got Hetafe, Cadiz, and then Real Valladolid against Elche. Uh, in the first game, both sides coming off wins last week, but still 
still in big trouble in terms of the points in the standings. And as we come on to uh, Real Madrid against Elche, I mean, Elche still winless in the league, getting cut adrift at the bottom. And and last Monday night they played and they had a chance to equalise, but they missed a penalty late on. And that just sums up their dire start so far. So, Paco, if you want to talk through these two games before the break, uh, yeah, what's your take on, on these two matches? Big six-pointers, aren't they? Yeah, you said earlier that it's a, a battle for, for survival at the bottom of the standings, but ultimately, if you check out, for example, the way Valladolid have been behaving, uh, they have snatched a couple of um, very impressive wins in the in the last few weeks, and that have allowed them to has allowed them to you know uh, grow into that eleventh uh, place, only one point away from Valencia, for example, with fourteen points, and and you know looking things are a bit more optimistic way because their their defeat at the hands of uh, Osasuna was more or less expected but they were able to beat Real Sociedad they scored four against an ailing Celta de Vigo and that's why uh, Real Valladolid have been able to you know bounce back to, in, to, to a certain extent but it's not enough for them you know they need to win these kinds of games against Elche at the bottom uh, with Almiron who has been unable to really um, you know revive and 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 give infuse new life to the to the team i believe that elche depending on how down they are or the the distance between them and and salvation they are going to invest to some extent uh in the january transfer market because you know their owner christian bragarnik is that kind of uh president where he has deep ties with uh agents especially in south america and you know uh, I think he's going to reinforce the, the, the squad. They surely need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if they lose against Valladolid, which is a, a straight, uh, you know, enemy for, for survival, they're going to have things very, very complicated to some to, to this point. Whereas for the other game, Getafe-Cadiz, I, I'm not really sure why Getafe are struggling so much this season. I'm surely unable to, to understand why they are, you know, they haven't lost in four but last week they were just, uh, you know, able to scrape the 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 win against um, Elche uh, precisely, uh, you know, with a red card, with all of the controversy. But but they have been struggling against Celta, against Athletic Club, against Rayo. Uh, they lost only one nil against Real Madrid. Overall, I think Hikes Sanchez Flores is is doing a a good job in his tenure as as Getafe's manager, but. They need something more in order to fully realize their potential. Because I think that Getafe should be a mid-table side and uh, not be struggling as much as they are currently. So maybe this this game could be a turning point for them, uh, especially as as they're playing against Cadiz, which is never an easy side to play against. They are always pestering with the defense. They are always a team where Sergio tries to play to their strengths and, and is a very defense-focused side. They struggle to score, which is uh, given with, with Cadiz in the last couple of seasons. But uh, it's going to be, uh, in the way I said earlier, that game between Girona and Athletic Club, very similar mm. playstyles. Both Getafe and Cadiz also have very similar playstyles. So I shouldn't and I wouldn't rule out a nil-nil uh, scoreline in, in this game. Well, indeed. Well, we'll see. We'll see if there are any goals in that game by the quality of Alfonso Perez. We'll have to take a quick break now, but stay tuned because we've got plenty more to come, including the change on the bench at Celta, and we've still got Barca and Real Madrid, and of course your club Valencia still to discuss. Stay with us.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 13 recap. I'm here with Paco Pollitt. Uh, we've got some more intriguing games to look ahead to this weekend, but we have to now start this part by talking about another managerial change in La Liga. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere in a way because we knew Kudet was under a bit of pressure, but the way it happened so quickly, I mean, from from in 24 hours, it was a case of there's rumours he's going to go. Suddenly he's sacked and then... Carlos Cavallal is appointed and it'll be his debut on the bench and in Spanish football against Osasuna at Balaidos. Uh, yeah, Paco, what was your take on, on Kudet sacking and, and how do you think Cavallal will do? Well, actually, I have uh, no clue at the way uh, Carlos Carvajal, I believe it's the way it's spelled in English. I don't know if we're going to, you know, in Spanish, um, Spanishized it by Carlos Carvajal. <laughs> Could be perfectly the way uh, many Celta fans are going to spell it. But but regardless, uh, it was very, I won't say random, but um, unexpected. You know, the the way uh, this this uh, former footballer has become uh, the new manager for for Celta. I think that you know Kudet's run was um, bad enough for him to get the sack, even though he had been a couple of seasons over there in, in Vigo and doing, a, I would say, an inconsistent job. Felt under him played very well for a few spots or a few streaks during his couple of seasons at the helm, but they have never had that kind of, you know, resiliency, uh, strength. They have never been consistent enough to, you know, really fight, for example, for the European uh, race or or whatever, or even, you know, staying 10th place, which is good enough for, for many squads. If they are able to, uh, like, for example, Osasuna last season, be able to get 
as quickly as possible to 40 points and you know have a relaxed uh, end of season that is great for for many squads but Celta were unable to do that and they have been always struggling even though they have uh, in Diago Aspas possibly one of the uh, most uh, you know unbalancing players of the of the tournament and he's able to you know topple any single game in their favor whenever he he sees fit um, I won't say what's unexpected because uh, it seemed uh, Kudet's run had had reached to to its conclusion, but uh, I don't really think or know for sure if Carlos Carvajal is going to be the answer because his lack of experience in La Liga, his lack of experience in, in Spanish first division, the the level of of demands that that this uh, competition has in any single player and in a single manager. I don't know if he's going to be able to really change the pace and turn things around in over in Vigo. But but yeah, it's a risky move, but uh, not as much as for uh, sacking the, the the former manager. But uh, if you check out the the name of of his replacement, mm, mm. we'll see how they get on in their first game together at Balaidos. Uh Saturday evening, then we have an interesting game: Barcelona against Almeria. Uh, Barca, of course, won 4-2 in their irrelevant game, basically, in the Champions League. They knew they were out. They knew they were in the Europa League, though. Um, Marca described it as a, a goleada with plenty of doubts. Um, and that kind of summed it up. 4-2, conceding chances, but scoring plenty of goals. Ferran had a good game. Almeria have been really good at home lately, but surely this one is a, a great chance for Barca to do their homework and put the pressure back on Real Madrid. Yeah, and also enjoy about Almeria and obviously Ruby, uh, the way his side, um, you know, doesn't really settle for the draw. This squad only knows how to win and how to lose. They actually only have one draw under their belt as Real Sociedad, for example. Four wins, seven seven defeats, but they always go for it. And most of their wins have come in the last month. You know, Mm. out of the last five games, they won three, lost two which is actually a pretty good batting average for, for any side in La Liga and especially for a bottom tier uh, or a lower tier side as, as Almeria. But yeah, as you said, you know, they're visiting Barca who have uh, a very deep bench, a very deep squad. They are in dire need of trying at least to go into the World Cup break as La Liga leaders and they are going to try to pick up the, the six points Um which are on the line in the following two games and try to place some pressure upon Real Madrid. And uh, as uh, as we have spoken before, the the you know getting knocked out in the in the Champions League was a big blow for them. Let's see how they do and how they fare uh, next uh, January after the the World Cup in the um, in the UEFA Europa League. And even though the most optimistic Barca fans are already talking about, you know, how demanding the Europa League is going to be and the big names of of big teams and historic teams are going to be in that competition, like giving it a bit more of, you know, a coat of prestige paint in some sense. uh, Ultimately, it's second tier in European competitions. And that is something which even the most... Uh, you know, uh, spinning Barca fan uh, is going to be unable to to change. So, yeah, n- things not looking great for, for Almeria in this game. Um, but let's see how, for, exa- for example, Xavi rotates, is able to rotate some of the players as some injuries have been piling up in the last couple of weeks. For example, we saw Gerard Piquet playing last uh, week against Valencia uh, after Kunde was, was out for, for an injury and 
I don't know. I, I think that Xavi is going to be able to mix things up in the in the next couple of games before the break because he will surely need most of his squad if he really wants to battle for three competitions when uh, January comes around. Yes, we'll have the of course La Liga, Supercopa, Europa and and then Copa del Rey too. So yeah, lots of big fish in that Europa League like you said um, and they will face a group winner from the Europa League. So uh, it could potentially be the likes of Arsenal, uh, teams like that who are doing pretty well. It'll be interesting <laughs> with the links with Arteta if, if Arsenal get Barcelona, that would be quite a story. By the way, we are recording uh, this podcast and we have like a megaton announcement happening right now. We talked about Barca only a couple of minutes ago and Gerard Piquet uh, has stated that he's leaving Barca uh, oh, wow. on uh, January. And this following Saturday uh, is going to be his last game in in Camp Nou, which is wow. ultimately the end of an era, you know. And, and Breaking I think news on the bre podcast. Breaking news on the podcast. So you guys should be happy that we were able to catch this one, you know, just happening right now uh, with a very emotional video telling Kuler uh, that he's leaving um, Barca after his whole life playing over there with that short stint in, in Manchester United when he was uh, a youngster still, when he was 18, between 18 and 20 years old. Uh, but yeah, Gerard Piquet is out. And uh, let's see, uh, he's definitely going to play, you know, this game, <laughs> this game next, next this weekend in, in Camp Nou, he's definitely going to be a starter, you know, but yeah. Well, they don't have many other fit centre-backs, do they? Definitely, <laughs> the so he might be playing as a starter the, the two remaining games before the break. Real Sociedad, they are taking on your team, Valencia, on Sunday. La Real have suffered back-to-back -back defeats in the league and Valencia are winless in four. Um... Intriguing, really tough one to call in many ways. Will Will Cavani be fit? Uh, surely seemed today. I was uh, taking a peek at Valencia's training session this evening, and you know he scored a uh, you know a screamer of a goal in the training session. So he seems to be fit, even though his his um, his twisted ankle isn't going to be ready like hundred percent fit in the near future. But you know. Uh, he knows that the team needs him. He knows that Valencia is a very young squad and they will surely need every single drop of experience that he can, uh, with his 35 years, uh, be able to, to bring to the table. Uh, but yeah, he also has one eye placed upon the, the World Cup. And that's why mm. I believe that he's going to try to do everything in his hand to play the game. But if he notices something weird or notices any kind of pain or whatever, which is going to hobble him in his task, in his task, he's going to ask for the for the sub because he's going. He's definitely not going to risk uh, his participation and is taking part in the in the World Cup for for a La Liga game. So in that sense, Cavani should be fit. Valencia recovering a, a couple of players. Nico González is back. He couldn't play against. Barca. Whereas for Real Sociedad, as you said, it's true that they lost uh, last week, but they lost against Betis, which is something definitely, you know, uh, that you could expect. Uh, obviously, they're going to be uh, quite a bit tired after the game against Manchester United, even though it isn't really a crucial one for them. But regardless, it's always a, a big uh, contender. Uh, but yeah, they were on a run after losing against Betis and Valladolid, they had been winning like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight consecutive games, which is amazing, yep. both in Europa League and La Liga. So after such a run, it's something expected to some extent. 
to lose a couple of them. But yeah, definitely this this game is going to be a big test for Valencia because uh, we have been spoken over here in in this in the city for the last couple of days about what Gattuso said last weekend about the you know the the goals that Peter Lim had set him to to achieve and and he never spoke about European competitions. He uh, said that Peter Lim only asked about uh, his his task to be to generate an attractive pay style and to uh, reinvigorate and you know uh, shut up shoot up the value of, of some players. Mm. And, you know, there's been quite a stir in the city about uh, those um, words because, obviously, Valencia fans expect Valencia to always at least fight and be contenders for the European spots. And Gattuso seems to not be really concerned about that. So we'll see a UEFA uh, Europa League uh, contender because we also see that have, in my view, a very good side, a very good squad. And uh, they're facing a team who used to be mighty in Valencia's case, and who are now thinking about other goals and other aims in their season. Mm. Well, one such player who was brought through and then sold on was Kanjin Lee, and he and Vedat Murici will be fighting for Mallorca against Kikisetien's Villarreal. Uh, Murici scoring 60% of Mallorca's goals this season. Incredible um, return. Mallorca look very solid in most games. I know you've said a lot that they should have more points than they currently do. And yeah, I think I think we agree with that for sure. Um, Villarreal at home, Kikisetien, his first league game uh, at home for Villarreal. Again, we don't know how they've got on on Thursday night, but it's it's a dead rubber again, so it's, it's kind of hard to judge. You spoke about their game against Athletic earlier. You touched on mm. it. Um, it was a positive start, but it really did fade, didn't it? So do you think this one, will, they'll be able to show a bit more consistency for the 90 minutes? If they are able to do so, uh, I would say it would have double the merit because uh, Mallorca isn't really the best uh, client. And we were talking about uh, the way they have been able to become one of the most unsufferable teams for the opposition this, this season. And, and I think that... Uh, and I think that he he's uh, to me commended because Javier Aguirre has done a, an incredible task at, at, at building a rock of a team with a couple of quality highlights uh, in Kangin Lee's and Muichi's case. And the rest of the squad is a very, very hardworking one. And that's why I said that if Higeke Setien wants to really show his, uh, you know, the way he has impacted the, the, the playstyle that Villarreal wants to push forward, Mallorca aren't precisely the best client to do so. But but yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think that possibly Setien will surely need that kind of preseason he's going to enjoy uh, during the winter break because uh, it's not really easy to come in after Unai Emery and all the success he was able to uh, gather in his in his two seasons in, in Villarreal and, you know, slot right in without um, sort of, you know, getting used to that kind of period, I would say, periodo de aclimatación, as we say in Spanish, you mm. know, getting used to mm. that kind of drive and kind of pace and players to really know what he's asking from them. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, we have a couple of more games, but I think that the whole PK issue is going to be like the talking point this weekend so far. Yeah, that will take many headlines for sure, 100%. Um, one more game to mention uh, before we perhaps talk a bit more about PK. Uh, it's not often that we leave Real Madrid till last. But it's not often they play on Monday night, and that's what they're doing this weekend. They'll be in Vallecas to play Rayo Vallecano. 
And in fact, Real Madrid will already know who they will face in the Champions League last 16 before this game because the draw is on Monday lunchtime. Uh, and uh, uh, again, incredible last night. Uh, it was a bit of a bit of a slow night, but then suddenly PSG thought they'd done enough to top the group, but then bang, Benfica scores six away in uh, Israel, which means Benfica topped the group on away goals scored to leave PSG as a second seed and a possible rival for Real Madrid. So, of course... Mbappe may be back at the Bernabeu once again. So that's a nice bit of narrative potentially, but we'll leave that for perhaps another time. But as for this game, Rio in really good form, unbeaten in four at Vallecas, haven't lost at home since August. Um, could they give another surprise to Real Madrid? They definitely would be able to because uh, they have been able to bounce back from really dire moments with Falcao becoming some sort of hero uh you know at some at some games with those 93rd minute goals and and so on but i i don't know i see real madrid very strong at uh, at the league games uh because of the depth of their squad and their way the especially rodrigo and vinicius are are playing this this year because they are so young that it seems like the their gas never runs off and never runs out um and they are always you know if that kind of of pacing issues which plague other teams they are always like with with full power full speed and being able to to score left and right um they were unable to beat Girona but but ultimately it was you know a very strange game with many controversy controversial uh, calls by the ref whereas for Rayo uh, traditionally they have always tried to hold their ground against Real Madrid they didn't actually never were able to finish the job, and that and that's why I think Real Madrid are far by far the favorites in this in this Madrid derby. Um, especially as, for example, Rayo Vallecano have been remained unbeaten, as you said, for the last four games, and they are you know in a placid state, mid-table, ninth place. Uh, nothing really, you know. Their main goal, I believe, is to get into that 20-21 points before the break, which which would be perfect for them. Uh, especially as they their main goal and their hundred percent only goal this season is to remain in, in La Liga. Mm. Yeah, it'd be a fascinating little Madrid derby there on Monday night. Vallecas will surely be bouncing. So yeah, we're pretty much out of time, Paco. But we will just have a, a quick last word on Pique. Mm. Yes, um, as you say, he's released a video on his social media saying, "Cules, I have something to tell you." Uh, he's, he's released a, a two and a half minute video charting his uh, life and career um, with him looking back at some childhood memories. So, um, yeah, very emotional video there. Go and check that out, listener. Um, but, yeah, your final thoughts, Paco, on, on Piquet and, and his, his legacy at Barca? Um, I think that it would be very unfair to judge Gerard Piquet on the last couple of seasons uh, and miss and forget what he has given to, to Barca during his whole career. At the end of the day, we're talking about a guy who has spent as a professional player for the last 15 years in Barca, and that is pretty much amazing. Uh, the fact that he's leaving mid-season and, uh, you know, uh, ending his career uh, instead of, you know, following his wallet and going to the Major League Soccer or going to, you know, Mid-East to play in other leagues or in other competitions... I think it's a testament of just how seriously uh, he he takes Barca and how seriously he takes uh, a club which he someday 
and and I believe many many Barca listeners will agree with me. Someday he's going to run the show over there. Someday Gerard mm-hmm. Piqué will be Barca's president, and and everybody has been slowly realizing that in the last few years. And actually, I have to give him some credit because back in the day he said that he would leave when he saw himself not unfit to to bring something positive to the table. That he would be the first one uh, on the line to to just give up and say, "Okay, I'm I'm leaving." And and to be fair, he has done that exactly that. And and I think we should give him surely some credit and kudos to him for for living in this way, even though. As we said earlier, he he's currently playing not far from his best level, but he's playing as a starter for Barca because Barca have needed him lately because of of so many injuries. Mm. Yeah, a bombshell announcement live on the podcast. Um, of course, we will need a lot more time to digest and react to this news. We will do so in the near future, whether it's on the podcast or on our new Substack, llonline.substack.com. It's already live. There's some things that you can read. The podcast will also be on there, so you can hear this via that. So uh, go and check that out. But uh, yeah, we have we have to leave it there, Paco. Thank you so much for your time and insights today. Um, a dramatic pod. Um, yeah, historic pod. We'll, yeah. For the books. Indeed. And, and a fantastic weekend ahead with plenty of intriguing games. And of course, Gerard Piquet's last game at Camp Nou. So thank you very much again, Paco. Thanks for listening, Cheers. everyone. And uh, adios.